Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Pentagram partner and co-founder of Do The Green Thing, Naresh Ramchandani. Hi, I'm Naresh Ramchandani. Describing what I do is not easy, but in a sentence, I would say I try and help organizations, some for profit, some non-profit, communicate what they do as powerfully as they can. Everything else falls underneath that, like, for example, naming organizations. Sometimes I help do that. Creating uh, language for organizations, so uh, how they describe themselves, the tone of voice they use, the key messages creating communications for an organization. So that is an about communications for an organization. So for example, uh, a film about themselves or a campaign, or um, sometimes it's actually helping them derive their purpose. So it's a, it's a little bit before that, where we uh, take who they're for, um, what their context is, what they do and how they do it, and help give them a brand idea, which tends to be um, a great platform for all the other parts that follow. As the design consultancy's first advertising and communications partner, he talks to us about the relationship between graphic design and writing, how creativity can make a cause visible, and why he counts idealism and pragmatism as two essential skills for creatives. When I was growing up, I had an amazing, amazing revelation. And then subsequently, I had an amazing revelation about that revelation. I wanted to be a record producer. I've never really wanted to be a front person, and it felt like a nice way to be involved in a thing I love, which is music, without actually being embarrassingly part of a band. And then when I grew a little bit older, old by older I mean 15 or 16, and started getting into GCSEs and then choosing A-levels and then what you're going to do at university, etc., I think I dropped that idea because it felt crazy and impractical. Um, but I still love music and uh, I love post-production, and those things would have made the choice of record producer be a good career. I studied English and American literature at university. University was really, really useful for me for two reasons. One, because of what I studied, because it made me love words and the way they were used and the way they were used to convey ideas. I mean, these writers that I was studying, these poets, these dramatists, they were the philosophers of their time. You know, they help arrange and portray how life is and how life should be. And I think I got very struck and taken by the power of words and therefore I wanted to write coming out of university. I don't think I ever had the um, courage to be a fictional writer or it didn't even occur to me actually. And I don't think I would have been very good at it, but to try and use communication to communicate, communicate ideas, hopefully some of those ideas are good ideas that enrich society. I think that is a bug that I picked up back at university. The other um, brilliant experience at university was actually the university I was at, which was Manchester, and the time I was at it, which was um, right when Factory Records, Hacienda, Tony Wilson, New Order, Peter Saville, Martin Hannett were doing their amazing thing, where it was about, we are going to create a scene, and the scene is going to be based in music, but somehow it's going to be about the city, and it's going to be about whatever we want to do creatively, we can do. And I think that sense of creative... Um, 
permission and um, and flamboyance and can-do spirit, I think, has stuck with me ever since. And uh, um, uh, whenever I get a new brief, I, was think, I always think, what fantastic thing can we do with this or can we do for this? And I think I'm indebted to Manchester University and that influence for that. So when I was at university, I did um, jobs in the holidays and they were clerical jobs in offices in companies like BT. And um, it became, even though I was offered permanent jobs there, it became very, very clear to me pretty quickly that being in large organisations was never going to work for me. I just don't really understand that type of role where you have to advance your way through, um, you know, pyramids of uh, seniority to get to something where the purpose of the organization seems to be very distant from your day-to-day reality. So that was one thing. And secondly, even though a little bit of me enjoys being administrative and scientific, it was that I needed to do a more expressive job. So I left university thinking, oh, I want to become a copywriter, thinking I want to be John Webster. John Webster's the cool guy who actually has made the most entertaining things on TV, including all the TV programs. You know, he made uh, Smash Martians. If I'm honest, Smash Martians is probably the reason I wanted to go into advertising and I can recite that ad word for word. So I wanted to be a copywriter. I hadn't gone to art college. I didn't know what you had to do to be a copywriter. I applied at university for a couple of jobs in advertising, graduate recruitment training schemes at places like JWC, etc. I didn't get anywhere with those. But then I got offered a job in the media department of BMP. And I thought, oh, you know, BMP, it's, it's close to John Webster. And um, I went there, took that job, and it took me a few... I, it was really great. You learned the sort of cut and thrust of, uh, of of what it's like to be in an agency, which is terrific, but it was nowhere near the creative department. And I then I thought, OK, now I know what to do. I'm going to leave and put my book together. So I, I learned enough at BMP to know that advertising felt great and exciting. All my colleagues were fantastic, but they wanted to do something I didn't want to do. Um, And the route wasn't open for me to do it within BMP, but I learned at BMP what I had to do. So left and put my book together. It took me a year. And then I got a job at um, a very young HHCL, which is the most amazing place to get your first job because uh, Steve and Axe and Rupert and Adam, the other two uh, of that four, they just wanted to rip up the rule books. That's what they were doing. They were the sort of punk rock agency of their day. And there I got to learn how, um, unless you were noticed, it wasn't bother, it shouldn't, you just shouldn't bother. Um, that was very much from Steve and Axe. And then um, from people like Adam, it was how to make that, um, that attention that you are trying to create, how to get it right for a client, how to get it sort of sharp and, um, and make it a challenging idea in a market and a beneficial one to, Uh, the client's um, culture and commerce and uh, that was the roots of kind of everything I know really I learned it all there what I think I really learned at HACL which is about how to create things that had a little bit of edge had a little bit of difference you know created some sort of friction with an audience or sort of uh, got their interest or piqued their attention or sometimes irritation and uh, the campaign that we created for Fuji film where it was very much about taking social issues and showing how photography, a great image, can bring a social issue to light, for me was the campaign that basically that idea that brands can actually in some way do something positive for the society they're putting their communication into, otherwise it's just self-interested litter. So that was really, really influential for me. And definitely my direction since then has been about helping brands find their, in some small way or large way, some purpose or some social good that they can put in the world.
I'd say the most exciting project of the last year has been creating a test campaign for Wrigley, which is to persuade people to not drop their gum on the street. It's been really, really interesting working closely with Wrigley on it, and it's a very good brief from us from, from many points of view. One is that it's got behaviour change in it, so therefore it's about a measurable difference, which is always exciting, I think. Secondly, it's, uh, a, it's, it's largely about getting to um, younger people, and that decision has driven the campaign to be digital, so it's been a largely digital campaign. And then also because it's a social problem that's not a huge problem. Yes, the street looks a little bit annoyingly spattered with chewing gum, but no one really dies. You have to sort of then find a solution that's not too heavy-handed. So we've actually created a really light solution for it. And we've created a campaign um, that we tested last year that went very well, which is just simply a, a very simple phrase, which is chew, 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 bin, Wrigley, which we've done through digital animations. And uh, they're kind of um, light and playful and cool and a bit subversive and very meme-based. And uh, so creating that was a fantastic experience, actually. And um, they're going to, with any luck, roll it out this year. Um, and let's see if it can make a difference on a wider scale. There's a really interesting thing that happens between graphic design and writing, which I think is a sensibility that I've built up in the six or seven years I've been here, which is knowing which one needs to lead and knowing how the other one needs to support one. And Pentagram's a graphic design studio in terms of most of its output. So knowing how words can actually fit around the graphic design, help to elevate it or point to it or let the graphic design go first. That's a dance that I think you need to learn. And it's great when you do, because it's really powerful. I think when you've got visual design and messaging or language working together, it's, I mean, it's, that's the combination, right? I think for any creative person working in my type of world, so the agency world or the creative services world, I think you need to have two skills. One is idealism and the other one is pragmatism. So those sound like they're really, really, really obvious, but I, I, I really believe in idealistic solutions. I think creativity can make a cause visible. The better the creativity, the more visible and um, persuasive that cause becomes. And I think you have to really, really shoot high and try and do something that is as good as that cause and has the chance of making that cause, you know, that could be a commercial cause or non-commercial cause, stand out from all the other organizations that are also calling for people's attentions. I mean, you have to shoot really, really high for it to stand out. Otherwise, it's just, it's lost. That brilliance of solution or that sort of creative height needs to be right for an organization, um, for their brief, for their culture, for a consumer, for the media. And all of that requires a lot of patience and a lot of pragmatism to take an idea through that journey from idea to production and not only keep it intact, but make it better. It's hard to advise young people who are choosing a creative job or, or a job in this sector. It's hard to advise them succinctly. I think it's really important to be yourself through your creativity. I think it's really important to have your own particular approach or flavor. I mean, we all start by wanting to copy other people. I thought people like John Webster and Dave Allen were just the coolest dudes and wanted to do stuff like them. But, you know, you can't be them. They're them. And I think you have to find what you're good at. And I think it needs to be something you find quite early because the more you're you, the more different you are from other people. Finding your own creativity, your own output and your own reasons for it, I think eventually I think is a, is a good thing. I think that will make you more individual and 
in the end, someone will find a connection with you as an individual and want to hire you. On top of that, it's a slog. I mean, you should be ready to work at it really, really, really hard. I think never stop thinking and never stop thinking about a brief and how to solve it and how to solve it better because you can always make it better. Never stop thinking uh, about what creativity is and how creativity works. We're in our fifth or sixth generation of marketing literates now. Every generation grows up more literate than the last and more able to decode what marketing is or what branding is. And therefore, the solutions need to be newer, more sophisticated, more innovative. So never stop thinking about what creativity has to be now to actually break through. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Naresh Ramchandani. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.